Hey guys, cold open. Check out this promo for Enmeshed, a true crime podcast hosted by mother-daughter duo Amanda and Pam. Enmeshed provides short episodes all about family-related crime, which I love. Such an interesting crime niche. We hope you check them out. And of course, stick around for your regularly scheduled Burden of Proof programming. Hey, true crime fans. I'm Amanda. And I'm her mom, Pam. And we are inviting you to listen to our podcast, Enmeshed. We dive deep to give you fresh takes on stale relationships. Join us every Monday for an audio journey covering the darker side of family dynamics. Our episodes are around 30 minutes. We get right into it. We will guide you through intriguing lesser-known cases and famous crime stories involving murder, deceit, and the entangled family members who commit these crimes together or against each other. Check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And remember, some of the most poisonous people come disguised as family. Good morning! Hello, hello. I'm Savannah. And I'm Alicia. And this is Burden of Proof. How are you? I'm good. You're good? I'm tired, but good. Welcome to my life. Yeah. It's been a little paralegal update for you. It's been about a month into my attorney switch slash soft launch into litigation. It's been good. Yes. There you go. That's it's good. That's what you get. It's good. Yeah. Still love the area of law I work in. Love yeah. it. It's been a change, but a good change. Stressful. Yeah. I get home why. and my brain is dead, but in like a good way. Yeah. At this point in my life, I can't handle that much, which is why I had chosen estate planning. Yeah. <laughs> it's simple, straightforward. Yeah. In and out. That's another reason. You didn't have to hang out with clients for so long? I, yeah, there's certain clients that you want to hang out with, but generally speaking, I liked the whole you're in, you're out. Well, thanks for the update. You're so welcome. Do we have any updates or any? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> this has been a roller coaster of a week. It really has been because if, like, those of you who also have podcasts, talking to you, Gage and Ray. <laughs> You know, Our favorite pod- other podcasters. <laughs> you know that like when people's lives change, like when t- schedules are changing or whatever, typically your numbers go down like around holidays and this week and last week was back to school. And so when everybody's, you know, schedules change, they don't listen as much. And so it's always kind of a bummer to see like your numbers go down and then they popped right back up on Thursday. And we have a lot yes. of a lot of that to thank uh, for uh, what? We have we owe a lot, <laughs> a lot of, of that, that to Gore Report. Engage and Ray. We love you guys. Yes. I'm gonna DM you later. So <laughs> all you listening, if you're new here, <laughs> if you haven't heard us talk about Gore Report and how much we love them, um, we're very different. Like our po- our yeah. podcasts are very different. Obviously, with a name like Gore Report. They choose some gory cases yeah. and we tend not to, but like we have an appreciation for absolutely. Both. So it's well, kind it just, of a- I feel like every listener, you get times where you're in you you want something a little harder, and you know other times you're like no, but a little crime is good. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah, absolutely. So for sure, the goriest case that I've I think I've ever covered was Shabiznis. 
Yes. I think that one was, I can't believe that I got through that. Okay. Yeah. This case that we're doing today is a little bit gory. I don't go into too much depth because Savannah can't always handle that. So, but you know, you'll get the idea. It's so weird. And you'll find as, you know, those long-term listeners will realize sometimes I can handle it fine and other times I can't. Yeah. And it's uh, because of a little thing. Uh, called OCD. <laughs> so sometimes I can't think about too much what goes on inside my body because that's really gross. Yeah. And so sometimes I'm just like, it's not the week for that. Can't handle it. Yeah. But this week, why well, we just fine. liked it? Because of the way we present our cases, yeah. we don't know what's coming. Yeah. We, we might mention what we're doing, but we often don't know each other's cases. So that mm-hmm. way we have a genuine reaction. Mm hmm. It is not staged. It is not scripted. Like we write our notes on the store, whoever's presenting. Yeah. But this is all real and live, which is why we don't always say the perfect thing. Yeah. (laughs) It happens. (laughs) It's okay. But it's very real. And Mm -hmm. I don't like to throw Savannah off with too much gore. Yeah. Unless I give you a heads up. Yeah. So there's a little bit, but it's not bad. I don't go into a lot of detail. So I will give you that warning. All about right. today's case. Yeah. So thank you, Gore Report, for all your kind words on social media. We love you guys. Y'all are a G. And we love our listeners. Thank you, listeners. We do love you guys. Thanks. And this week has been one really awesome thing, too, is that we've seen a lot more social media interaction, yes. which we love. Talk to us on social media. Please. 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 We do Sunday shout outs every Sunday. We'll post um, on our stories, different people who have been active on our social media. So you get to talk with us there. We're super nice. Yeah. And I'm lonely because I now work from home. Yeah. (laughs) So I only have my dogs to talk to all day (laughs) while my kids are at school. Well, one of your dogs is a person in a dog suit. Oh, well, yeah. Betty. Betty White. She's a sweetheart. Alicia has a golden doodle named Betty that my fiance and I fully think is just a person inside a dog suit. Sometimes she does seem like it. <laughs> she's not a dog, but I do love well, her. She's awesome. Anyway, talk to us because I'm lonely. <laughs> <laughs> I love the honesty. And hey, if you like us, leave us a little rating or review. Yeah. We appreciate those. We do. For we sure. Don't, we don't normally have this much business up front. No, we don't. My apologies because this may be a little bit lengthy of a case. All right. So we're going to jump in. All right, I'm buckling up because this is quite the case. Click, click. This is the case of Henry Lee Jones. Do you know him? I think I have heard of this. Have you? I think so. Okay. I don't remember anything about it, but I remember the name. If you have, you'll probably remember once I get into it. So Henry Lee Jones. We actually know very little about Henry's early life. Can I just pause? I'm sorry. I know you just started, but I do think it's interesting that like, if somebody was to Google about my early life, they would never find anything. How do we get this information? Like, people just have to interview well, family. Say, yeah. Well, it comes out in the trials. Yeah. And some of his stuff, I don't go into a lot of detail about it. Some of it does come out in the trial. And a lot of it, you just have to leave it up to the person, like what they share. In I which guess. case, how do you know it's factual? Yeah. Especially when you're dealing with, like, serial killers. I don't know. I have that thought every time I'm like Googling like Celeste Beard childhood. <laughs> like, and I'm like, 
who is reading this girl's mom's diary to tell us what happened that day? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's not actually yeah. what happened. I'm saying, like, how do we find it? Anyway, the more I just, sorry. The Thanks more you know. About. So we do know that Henry was born August 23rd, 1963 in Cleveland, Mississippi. And he moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida sometime in his teen years. Back to the fort. All we really know about his upbringing is that he was one of 14 children who was raised without his father. And there are claims that he regularly suffered abuse by older relatives. So not just his mom. Actually, I don't know if his mom was abusive, Mm -hmm. but definitely older relatives that were helping take care of, you know, it takes a village to raise 14 children. So, yeah. I'm not, again, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail on the abuse. Basically, if you've been listening to us for a while, his claims were very similar to that of serial killer Anthony Soule. I kind of got the vibe, yeah. Yeah. So for those of you new here, uh, the case of Anthony Soule is case number 18. There's actually two episodes because that one was a lot. That's a brutal (laughs) case. Yeah. That one was a lot. And it haunted us for a long time. You don't want to know what it took for us to get that case out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, podcast growing pains. Yeah. Yes. Um, but basically, Henry would get beaten with whatever was handy. Belts, cords, hangers, hoses, etc. Mm-hmm. You get the picture. So not surprisingly, Henry was troubled and violent by the time he was 18 years old. And that's where we're going to kind of pick up his story. Because things take an even heavier turn. On August 4th, 1981, Fort Lauderdale police officers Swenson and Woosley, I love that name, Woosley, meet with 17-year-old Annie Mae Robbins. Annie filed a complaint that she and her boyfriend, Henry Lee Jones, otherwise known as BAM, I, okay, so I was going to say, is this the guy that is known as Bam? Yes. But I didn't want to say it and then sound so stupid if it wasn't him. (laughs) Yep. Nope. It's him. This Um, is my boyfriend. Bam. Bam. She and Bam had gotten into a fight the night before. She told them that he chased her out of the apartment with a gun, forcing her to leave her baby behind. That's so sad. She had called police that night, but when they arrived, Henry fled, and she feared that the baby was still in the apartment. She warned them that Henry was violent, and upon further checking, they found there was a warrant out for his arrest. So, the officers head back over to the apartment at 8 a.m., and a man claiming to be Henry's brother answered the door, stating that Henry was not there but then he agreed to let them look around. Inside the apartment, they found two babies sitting on the living room floor and a woman in the bedroom. Okay. Officer Swenson then opened the bathroom door to find Henry hiding in the shower, just standing behind the curtain. (laughs) That's terrifying. Obviously, the officer could see his silhouette. Yeah, it's just like it's just like probably like a clear shower curtain, right? I don't know, but it was thin How enough. How tall or... is he? Hold on, is he taller than the rod? That'd be so funny. I don't, I don't know. I think he's about average height. Okay, he's five ten. So yeah, that's kind of 
slightly above average for a guy, maybe. Slightly below average for a guy, actually. Really? I thought 5'10 to 6 foot was about average. Oh. Okay. Yeah, so he's normal. <laughs> normal guy. So they, I mean, but- he had to be, like, ducking. Because <laughs> they could see his head if he was standing straight up. Can you imagine? He's just like, it's cold in here. <laughs> I'm assuming he was dressed and not actually, the way it was described... That he would was be just so hiding. Much, it would be so much and he wasn't actually he was showering like, naked. It would be so much funnier if he just like balls out. <laughs> well, especially with what's to come, it would be. It's giving. Oh my gosh, what was the one case that I did? Tara Grant. What was his name? Or the husband's name? The killer's name? Notice, I remember the victim's names. I don't remember the killer's name. I don't remember Tara Grant's name. husband. Steve. Who, Steven? Steve Grant, maybe. He did everything naked. Like yes. he, carried, he killed his wife naked. He carried her bought her to the truck naked. Like that case. Oh my god, that's Poor a good Tara. one. That was a good one. Go listen to that. Yes, it was. So the officer ordered him to come out of the shower, and as Officer Swenson searches him for weapons, that's the other reason. No, he's not naked. Up. He's like bent over and cough. <laughs> That's inappropriate. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> no, I'm leaving. <laughs> Henry attempted to kick and punch the officers in order to get away. Okay. Okay. Officer Woosley called for backup, and the two officers proceeded to get in a wrestling match all over the main living area of this apartment until backup arrived. Do you think? Do you think he went? Officer Woosley, we need a woo-woo. I think Woosley is female, <gasps> by the way, because yes. in, in the description, it said that Officer Woosley at one point is trying to separate Swenson and Henry, and it said she is trying to hold them I love it. away from each other, because at that point, the, it just turned into like those two fighting. Yeah. But ultimately, like backup arrived, and it took five officers to subdue Henry. Was the man on speed? He was balls to the wall. <laughs> Literally. Literally. Once arrested, he was charged with two counts of battery on law enforcement officers. Yeah. Wait, how many? Two? Two counts for Woosley and Swenson. Okay. He, though, was quickly released on bail. Mm. The following month, on September 30th, 1981, Henry was arrested for breaking and entering a home... And again, was released on bail. I wish, it, now, I wish you guys could see my face. I mean, yeah, I don't. She loves bail. I love she it. She loves it. It's so fun. It's so, so fun. It's so good. You're going to love. That's why you're going to love I'm this gonna case. I'm going to hate this case. Because it's just, it always, especially in the true crime world, I say always, it doesn't in real life. But in the true crime world, whenever you hear they were out on bond, you're like, okay, so somebody else is getting hurt because they released him because they yeah. didn't have room in the prison because the prison industrial complex is a mess. I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) That's the whole point. So I forgot to give the disclaimer, like these initial crimes that I'm kind of working through, it's just to show you a pattern Mm -hmm. of how the system sort of failed everybody by continuing to let this man out Yeah, or off the hook or with light sentences, et cetera. It's not a perfect system. It works a lot. It also fails a lot, unfortunately. And yeah. this is one of the failures. So, that being said, just three days later, after he's been let out on bail, October 4th of 1981, 
Henry and a 19-year-old Jackie Johnson go to a used car dealership in Fort Lauderdale. The salesman, 45-year-old Joseph Giovanni, spoke with them, and after Henry showed him $600 in cash and tells the man that his wife has a car financed already, so he's interested in purchasing a car with as much down in cash as possible, Mr. Giovanni thinks, okay, he's a serious buyer, right? The two men chose a 1976 Pontiac Grand, I'm sorry, Grand Prix to test drive. And despite one of the fellow salesmen questioning everything, Mr. Giovanni hands the keys to Henry, gets in the front seat, and Jackie Johnson gets in the back seat. The ride went as usual around a nearby residential neighborhood until suddenly Henry began repeating the question, what do you think, to Jackie? Like, repeatedly. At least three or four times. What in the creep? Jackie never answered. And suddenly, Henry then accelerates quickly. Mr. Giovanni realized, uh, I'm in trouble. Yeah. When he turned to look in the backseat at Jackie, he saw the barrel of a gun pointed right at him. Henry drove about 10 minutes away and pulled into a vacant lot. He ordered Mr. Giovanni out of the car. After stealing cash and credit cards from his wallet, Henry ordered him into the trunk of the car. Oh, gosh. Henry then made several stops before picking up his girlfriend, Annie Mae Robbins. He tells her that they are heading to Palatka, a town in central Florida. When Mr. Giovanni hears another voice in the car, he began to yell, let me out. Annie asked Henry and Jackie if someone was in the trunk, to which they both just laughed. They drive to Lake Worth, which is west of, I'm sorry, it's near West Palm Beach. Okay. I'm not as familiar with that area, so I had to look all these places up. Henry pulled into an orange grove ordered Mr. Giovanni out of the trunk and walked him several paces. To Mr. Giovanni's surprise, Henry shoved him into a tree and then ran back to the car and took off. That's such an ick. Can you imagine, like, this? just shoving him against a tree, like, watching this, and then running away, like a little baby, running away? Yeah. Well, Mr. Giovanni thought for sure he was dead. I Yeah. So I think he was pretty relieved oh absolutely the trio continued north and the next day on october 4th 1981 jh cooper a florida state trooper (laughs) yes she got it (laughs) just wait for it he clocked them speeding just north of jacksonville he pulls them over and after asking for a driver's license henry hits the gas and takes off of course. Trooper Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> What's hilarious, so my uh, I have a yellow lab named Cooper, and for a while, my grandmother was living with us, Yeah, and she could never remember his name, and she always called him Trooper. Aw, <laughs> oh, Trooper Cooper. Now I'm going to call Cooper Trooper you Cooper. You can call him Trooper Cooper. He listens. He uh, he was such, she was so good with her, because she would just beat him, like, just, you know, she's thinking she's patting him really lightly, but she didn't realize how strong she was, and so she was just hitting him. <laughs> Gosh. And he's just like, you know, happy, happy camper. What a happy He's like, boy. yeah, call me the wrong name. 
Hit me. Hit me <laughs> some more. I love the attention. No, oh, he just knew that he had to be gentle with her. Yeah. Such a good boy. He is. So Trooper Cooper runs back to his car and chases the trio in a high-speed chase until Henry suddenly pulls off the main road onto a dirt road that Cooper knows dead ends into a wood yard. Oh, great. Because, like, if, can you imagine? Because if you're, if you're a Trooper Cooper, you're like, this is going to end in a shootout. Because, like, he's going into the middle of nowhere. He's going to be backed into a corner, and he's going to get violent. Well, fortunately, it doesn't quite go there. But okay, good. Cooper follows, but slows down because he knows where is he going to go. Where are you going to go? Um, and he watched as Henry hit some railroad tracks at full speed, and so the car just like dies. The, the engine is still running, but the car will no longer move. <laughs> I'm guess <laughs> I'm guessing it like broke an axle or something. Yeah. So Henry grabbed his gun and Annie. I don't know what happened to the other guy. He must have taken off in a different direction. I guess. But Henry and Annie take off into the nearby brush. Trooper Cooper calls in the big guns. He's a state trooper. He is the big guns. Yeah, but they called in a helicopter oh, okay. and, and backup, several people. So before long, they basically had them surrounded. Yeah. Cooper caught up to Annie as they were running and arrested her. And she just tells him, man, I don't know where he got the car. I don't know. Like, yeah. he tells me not to ask him questions. I don't know. Another trooper ended up tackling Henry near the embankment of I-95. Yeah. So Henry was charged with robbery, kidnapping, grand theft, possession of a firearm while engaged in a felony, and carrying a concealed firearm. Here. The court finally learned something <laughs> and did not let him out on bail. Woo! So, while in jail for those crimes, Henry failed to stay out of trouble. Of course. On February 13th, 1982, he participated in an assault on a fellow inmate that left the man with multiple injuries, including a broken jaw. Oh, my gosh. But Henry was never charged. On March 11th, 1982, Henry escaped while being escorted from jail to the courthouse for a hearing. Fortunately, he was recaptured just a few hours later. Yeah, like, you're not going to go that far, friend. On March 29th, 1982, he was found guilty of the two counts of battery on officers Swenson and Woosley. Mm -hmm but only sentenced to one year and one day. That's a really light sentence for battery of police officers. That's what I thought. But this was in 1982, so... Okay. Eh. It took the laws some time to catch up, I think, because I think today they'd get a much harsher yeah, sentence. Yeah, you would. On September 2nd, 1982, Henry was found guilty of the robbery and kidnapping of Joseph Giovanni, the car salesman. Yeah. He pleaded guilty to attempting escape at, that I believe, that same hearing. He was sentenced to two concurrent 30-year sentences for the battery charges and five years for the escape, making his expected release 2017. I'm sorry, you said he had 30 years and he was supposed to get out? It was two concurrent. So they gave him, like... 
it, I, yeah. I hate those the concurrent sentences. sentences are yeah. stupid. So basically, yeah. so basically, thirty-five years. Yeah, which means he should get out. He should have gotten out in twenty seventeen. Is that 35 years? No. From 1982. 80, not 82. I'm thinking we're in 92. No. Okay, that 82. makes a lot more sense. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I have... You said you've been saying 82. Yeah. Not surprisingly, Henry failed to be a model prisoner. During this stint in prison, he was cited for 36 violations, including 11 criminal charges of assault and one charge of inciting a riot. His official sentence was extended another two years and nine months, but ultimately, that ended up being pointless. Why? Why? You may ask. I am asking. Due to overcrowding in Florida's prison system, thousands of inmates, including those convicted of violent crimes and apparently even those that continued to be violent in prison, were released. Yay. It's almost like... mm. I don't know. Let's not get political. After serving less than 15 years, Henry was released on July 1st, 1997. For nearly two years, he managed to fly under the radar in what I assume was just he didn't get caught. Yeah. I find it hard to believe he actually stayed out of trouble. On June 16th, 1999, he pled guilty to stalking charges but was only put on probation for 12 months. Okay. Just before that probation ended. I always think that stalking charges are way too lax. Like, they don't ever. I agree. Okay. Just before that probation ended on May 31st, 2000, Henry was caught by Sheriff's Deputy James Burroughs, suspiciously pulling into an auto body shop parking lot at nearly midnight. He pulled in, he cut his lights, and he and his companion, Kenneth Leslie, a man 16 years his junior, just sat there in the dark. Weirdos. Mm-hmm. Deputy Burroughs approaches, and Henry tells him that they were on their way to Orlando, but a light on his dashboard lit up, so he needed to stop. I don't stop when lights on my dashboard light up. I just keep going unless it's a, unless there's a lot of them. and then i'm like hey dad this is important (laughs) well depending on what light it is that might make sense but it didn't make sense no and burroughs knew that it didn't make sense he wasn't buying that because they were far from the main highway Mm -hmm. where they should have been driving if they were headed to orlando yeah you should be on four and there were plenty of gas stations on the main highway that they could have stopped at. Where they were lit and it wasn't dark. So the officer takes Kenneth aside and asked him, what are you doing? And Kenneth confessed that they were planning on breaking into the school across the street to steal from the vending machines. Bruh. Kenneth also said, hey, I'm just along for the ride. Like, this wasn't my plan. <laughs> It's just like, I'm just here. When does that work as an excuse, friend? Yeah. The deputy arrested both of them and then searched their vehicle where he found some marijuana and rolling papers and some gloves that they claimed, that Kenneth claimed they were going to use to break into the school. Okay. Henry was charged with loitering and possession, but the charges were dropped just two days later and he was released. 
two months later, on August 29th, 2000, Henry was arrested for battery, but the charges were dropped again. Why? That one may have been a domestic violence thing. Okay. So that would make sense. That's not yeah, entirely that, the not... system's fault. She yeah. probably just dropped the charges because that happens. It does. On March 21st, 2001, Henry must have been back to stalking because he was arrested for violating a restraining order. Oh, my gosh. He spent just 72 days in a county jail. And then on October 10th, so we're talking 72 days in a county jail from March. That puts you in, like, May. Yeah. So just a few months later, (laughs) on October 10th, 2001... Fort Lauderdale Sergeant Bill Johnston noticed a vehicle swerving down a busy boulevard, so he followed. He then saw that the cause was that the driver was throwing punches at their passenger. Oh, that seems like a really safe thing to do on the road. Mm -hmm. Sergeant Johnston pulled the vehicle over, and as soon as they stopped, the driver jumped out and ran. Of course. He has a tendency to do that, we've noticed. Yes. The woman in the passenger seat got out of the car, screaming, covered in blood. Oh, my gosh. When the sergeant ran the plates, he found that the car had been reported stolen from Daytona Beach. Oh, my gosh. She has such a pattern. The woman informed them that the man driving was her boyfriend, Henry Lee Jones, or BAM. BAM! Once backup, including the canine unit, arrived... They followed his trail and found that he had jumped fencing into a Salvation Army property. Using bolt cutters, the police gained access to the property, and the dog led them to a car parked in the back, where Henry was lying on the floor by the back seat. They ordered him out of the car, but he didn't budge. So they warned him that they would break the window and send the dog in if he didn't come out. Gotta get out. At one point, he acted as if he was going to open the door. And according to my source, he then, quote, stops and makes a gesture that suggests he won't leave. He flipped him off. (laughs) Probably. He was like, oh, I'm going to open it. I'm going to open it. Eh, No, I'm not. (laughs) Yeah. So they smashed the window and the dog latched on to Henry's arm until he finally opened the door. He was charged with battery, resisting arrest without violence, grand theft, and burglary. Once again, he escaped the worst of it when the state attorney's office dropped the most serious charges, citing they couldn't prove he knew the car was stolen. I mean, sometimes it happens like that, unfortunately. Yes. Instead, they moved forward with misdemeanor charges for battery and resisting arrest, which he pled guilty to and served only 126 days. Now, I want to be abundantly clear and say the next two crimes I'm about to share, he was never convicted of. Okay. But he is suspected of doing. Okay. Like, strongly suspected. On May 14th, 2002... A woman filed a complaint with the police that her supposed friend, Henry Lee Jones, had raped her, quote, quote, this is their words, not mine. Don't come for me. Quote, mentally handicapped teenage son. 
Okay. She claimed that Henry was hanging out with her son when they started drinking, and then they took a Percodan. And if you don't know what a Percodan is, it's a narcotic painkiller. Henry then invited the boy to go with him to his girlfriend's apartment, but the building was in fact abandoned. They drank some more, and according to the boy's complaint, Henry told him he wanted to have sex. The boy told him no and tried to leave, but Henry grabbed him and began choking him. Henry began raping him, and every time the boy would try to get away from him, Henry would choke him harder. The boy said he finally just agreed to let Henry finish if he would stop choking him. So he did. But then he continued to rape him for about three hours. <gasps> oh, my God. That's now, horrible. This, to me, this is awful. This is, like, the worst part of it all for me. Not of all the crimes, just of this crime. The state's attorney once again dropped the charges citing they would have difficulty proving it was not consensual since the boy spent the day with Henry and went willingly to the apartment complex. I hate, I hate the world. To add insult to injury, they also said, quote, for a case to be charged as a sexual battery upon someone that is mentally handicapped, we would have to prove that this person did not even understand the concept of sex. In this case, we would not be able to do this as the victim had had sex before and understood what it meant to have sex with someone of the same gender as him. This is horrific. I'm sorry. What? This is so wrong. Why? 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 Why, <laughs> yes. why is that your argument? What? So you're saying, so, okay, hold on. Let me get this straight. Let me, let me just, I just want to clarify. I just want to clarify. You're saying that if somebody doesn't know what sex is and they get raped, it's not rape? As long as they're mentally handicapped. Apparently. But, <laughs> I, I mean, okay. I know. This is horrible, but I'm just it, like, it just so if there's a blown. child who doesn't know what sex is and they are raped, they're not raped. They're just a child. Because they don't know what it is. Because they don't know what it is. So how would they know that it's wrong? What? Yeah. What? And this wasn't, if this had happened in the 80s, I might be able to chalk it up to like, whoa, the laws just hadn't caught up. This was in 2000, 2001. Whoever wrote that decision or whoever made that choice. 2002. That was 21 years ago. So, I mean, that's a while, but like, but no, seriously. But no, 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 but no, 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 no. It's not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Not when, no, because there are ancient, ancient, ancient civilizations that would have, would have punished you harder. Yep. Uh, no, Fine. no, that's completely unacceptable. And whoever made that decision, whoever wrote that should uh, be. That I believe was taken from their official statement. That is in- ridiculous. And they should. I don't, I'm not gonna say anything incriminating, but yeah, that's the most, I think that's the most ridiculous thing we've ever covered. I can't think of anything crazier than what just came out of your mouth. (laughs) Holy crap. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, things quickly escalated on 
September 9th, 2002, when 24-year-old Keith Gross failed to show up to work. His boss and friend, Ken Walker, was concerned, so when he couldn't get in touch with Keith, Ken went over to his house to check on him. Ken grew more concerned when he arrived and found all of Keith's window air conditioners around the house were all running, but there was no answer at the door. Okay. See, Keith had just told Ken he was struggling to pay his utility bills, so he had stopped using the air conditioners yeah. as much. So Ken walked around the back of the house and looked in the window. He saw Keith lying on the floor, naked and hogtied, with a sheet covering his neck and head. He rushed back to the store to call 911. Police arrived. They interview both Ken and Keith's brother, who both told them that they know of no reason that someone would want to kill him. However, both of them knew one rather suspicious person that Keith had recently been hanging out with. Bam! But they only knew him as Bam. So they gave him a description of Bam. Ken also told police... Wait, I'm... I'm go ahead. No, I'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. That's okay. Go ahead. The, the escalation here is insane. Yes. Because... And, and uh, this is what makes me think that, like, there's either more or there's less. Like, not less, but, like, or... I mean, maybe not. But that's, like, a brutal way to find somebody dead. Mm-hmm. And it's not like... I don't know. Continue. Yeah. Ken also told police that Keith had brought Bam to his house one day asking to borrow $20 and that the next day he told Keith, never bring that guy back (laughs) to my house. Basically, he just immediately got a a bad vibe. The vibes were off. Ick vibes. Keith joked with Ken asking if it was because Bam was black, saying, you're black too, you know. That's kind of funny. (laughs) Of course, Ken's like, yeah. Because it's nothing to do with the fact that he's black. It's the the fact that his vibes are off. Yeah. The detective on the case identified Bam as Henry Lee Jones and questioned him, but was convinced that the killer was a gay man because Henry had a girlfriend and a baby. So it couldn't be him. It It couldn't be him. Oh, Lord. I, I mean, this is Florida, reminding myself that this is... So he did not focus on Henry as a suspect. Instead... That's insane. You know somebody's record, mm-hmm. and you can look up that he's been charged, even if the charges were we dropped. We don't know. We don't... Like, that was specified, and one of my sources said they don't know if that detective knew about the allegations since he wasn't officially like charged with charged him. since they had dropped the charges it's possible that this detective did not know about those allegations however no he just it, he it should still, have looked it's into still it still not in my opinion That's it doesn't seem like good detective work to have such a narrow view literally of that so instead what the detective did was make a public plea for the gay community to help if they have any information. (laughs) 
my God. What is this case? What is happening? <laughs> this is like some of this is like this police work is worse than the Homolka case. Like this is bad. The detective also seemed very focused on Ken Walker. Okay. Keith Gross's friend and boss who found him. And when Ken went to him and asked, well, what did you find out about Bam? He wouldn't really say anything to him. He just said he was Keith's friend. Oh, uh, my gosh. This guy just thinks that everybody who's killed is killed by a stranger. (laughs) Like, that nobody is ever hurt by people that they're friends with. Well, he, he like, even was questioning Ken Walker. Like, yeah, maybe so it's what you. does that mean? Maybe you're gay. Because I guess he was single or something. I don't. What? Are and, you? And Do you have a girlfriend? You don't? Yeah. You're gay. You must be gay. <laughs> you must be gay. And you might be my killer. You have a girlfriend? It could not be you. What in the world is wrong with this guy? No other suspects were investigated until nearly a year later when Henry's crimes escalated even further. And then basically they had the physical evidence to prove. Yeah. He's our only suspect. And that guy had to have been so mind blown, the detective. What? What? He has a girlfriend, though. And a baby. And a baby. And I know what sex is, so I know how he got that baby. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, okay. I can't. Now, before we move on to episode two. It's a part. It's a two-parter. It's going to have to be a two-parter. I'm sorry, friends, because it's going to be way too long <laughs> otherwise. But I will say... There is evidence of at least one more rape of a 17-year-old runaway boy that Henry got away with. I'm not going to go into a lot Mm -hmm. of the details about it. It was very similar to that of the first boy. They ended up having to take him to the hospital, and Henry claimed that the kid got beat up. And I think because he was a runaway and homeless, like, it just got, like, so it's so unfortunate. It's so horrible that that happens, but it is not, it is very common in true crime, unfortunately. Yes. So I think it's safe to say that he had very likely done this to more people. Yeah. He tended to go after homeless, younger people, impressionable people, desperate people, more vulnerable. Vulnerable. Yeah. Yes. So, but that's what we know so far. Okay. These were the crimes. The before crimes. We're not even to the worst of it. Oh my gosh. Um, but just keep in mind, and I'll set I'll give out a little reminder in the beginning of the next episode as well. Just keep in mind that like he was still supposed to be in prison. Yeah. During all, all of, these. of this. That's important to it, remember. And that's it's so it's so hard. And it's hard for the families of the victims because it should never have happened. Yes. Absolutely. So well. Do we want an emoji now or we want to wait until case two? Go comment the throwing up emoji. I'm sorry. Episode two. Go comment the throwing up emoji if you made it to this video. Yeah. The little green face because this is gross. So gross. And um, yeah, and we'll see you. We'll see you for part two on Monday. Part two. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks because this is rough.
I'm out of words. We'll see you Monday. Till Monday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com. Bye.